The construction industry is undergoing a huge transformation. Designers and contractors are facing new challenges every day. We are all overloaded with rising material cost, a growing skilled labor gap, increasing project complexities, and countless digital solutions. This podcast focuses on innovation through process analysis, change management, and building a culture of continuous improvement. Together, we will learn from industry leaders on how to improve workflows, increase communication, and build the future. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Jason Thurner coming at you with another installment of the Innovation Overload podcast, broadcasting live from the NECA Innovation Zone booth in the Austin Convention Center in Austin, Texas. In this session, we'll be joined by Shane Snyder, president of Canada and Went Electric Company. Shane, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming by the booth today and spending some time with us. We've got an amazing show and lineup of companies, events, and people that are out here on the show floor. We're just looking out the window here. Um, They're showcasing their products and offerings. And really, it's a great thing to be able to connect with so many great people and members of NECA and to hear their insights uh, in the the different sessions that are being offered. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. First of all, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yes, what a a show. Every year it seems like they just outdo themselves every year. So hats off to the NECA staff for putting it on. What a fantastic event. So I I might sound like a broken record a little bit here, but it is the the largest attendance we've ever had. And and it even, it's more than what we had pre-COVID. Yes. which is amazing that the, that we've recovered from that. We're all thirsty for innovation, right? Exactly, and we're, it seems that we're really thirsty to interact with people and have FaceTime. Absolutely. <laughs> so, can you provide some highlights for our audience on your experiences so far at the convention? Well, just just like every year, you know, we started with the Board of Governors, and what a great event to, to meet and see the governors. You know, we get to see them once a year, so it's neat to get together and, and share time with our old friends and do a association business before the fun happens and then the trade show holy cow this is amazing yeah it's not a surprise that it's bigger and better than ever because just look around us right but the big thing for me is seeing other like-minded individuals and sharing ideas and information that to me is what makes this show so or makes a convention Fantastic. So for the viewers that are watching, you can see Shane's badge here. It says governor. And so a lot of, for the uninitiated, can you explain a little what a, you're a governor. What does a governor do? So each local NECA chapter has association president, vice president, and governor, secretary. The governor represents the chapter in all things NECA national. So the board of governors will get together, vote on ordinary proposals, uh, initiate new officers. So as the governor of the Arizona chapter, I represent the contractors from Arizona that are NECA contractors. Fantastic. Yes, sir. It's, it sounds very important. It's when you have good folks like we do in Phoenix, it's an easy job. It's the, the work of the association. So Fantastic. very important. So so to, since it is your first time on the Innovation Overload podcast, could you give some folks, you know, tell us your story a little bit, your background, how you got in the, into the industry? I uh, you know, got into the electrical industry really through high school with a really good friend of mine in Salt Lake.
Lake City and Ryan Taylor. He's now runs Taylor Electric in Salt Lake, but initially sorting nuts and bolts. And then I went to, to junior college, got a degree, went to the University of Utah and was right on the doorstep of leaving or with a degree. And I got a call to go to Elko, Nevada to work as an apprentice electrician. Seemed like the thing to do at the time. And I can't say that it was a bad decision 30 years later. But so I came in through the, the field, moved to Arizona, organized into the IBEW, started at Cannon Went in 94 as an intermediate journeyman wireman, which back then was a bad word. But then through that, I've held pretty much every position within Cannon Went to my current position as president. Gotcha. So just worked through the field and, and come up through and good people and good company. So can you tell our audience a little bit about Cannon and Went, like the size and, you know, maybe a little bit of its history? So Cannon Went was formed in 1945. We've been through three different name changes, the last being in 1964 when we became Cannon Went Electric. Uh, in 2000, up until that, 2006, we were owned by Albert Went, who, you know, Alan Margaret Went gave, gave money and time and energy to Nika and Electric. Uh, in 2006, he sold it to the employees. So at that time, we became 100% employee-owned, which is not just our non-bargained. Our bargain unit folks are also employee owners, which is unusual in the United States. So we're 100% employee-owned. Phoenix, Arizona. We're 76, 77 years old. Started in 1945. Roughly 500 employees. Uh, again, 100% employee-owned. Most of our work, 80% healthcare data center, uh, IPD-driven, design-build, design-assist, full in-house BIM, virtual design. Most of our work is going to be the, the data center healthcare, and then we've done pretty much work in most of the stadiums in the Valley. It's a, it's a pretty good a wide breadth of different yes, jobs and stuff that you guys are covering. Well, after you know, 78 years in business, we we tend to hold on to our core customers. We don't chase the, the elephants. Right. Uh, our three pillars at Canon went company, client, and community. And in our mind, we can't close that loop unless we take care of all three. Got it. I like that. Since it is your first time, oh, actually, I want to back up a little bit. How many people in the field versus the office? So we're we're roughly 420 in the field, uh, 60 to 80 in the office, and that fluctuates up and down. Okay, yeah, that's always valuable just to know how big of a, a contractor you are, because a, a lot of folks like to, you know, compare themselves, and you know, some some things are more applicable sometimes than, than other stuff. So that's really helpful for for, the, for our audience. And since it's your first time on the the podcast, can you tell our audience what innovation means to you? When you say innovation to me, it means a lot of things, right? I, I, when I think of the word innovation, I think of youth because that's where the innovation is going to come from. Um, if I sit and I look at our industry 10 years ago, it might not be popular, but we were fairly male, pale, and stale, right? I think with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and then the innovation of the youth coming into our industry, it's more exciting now than ever. And what an opportunity for young folks with, with all of our industries being so 
asked are for for help. It's a great opportunity for young folks to come in and, and climb those corporate ladders because those ladders just got short, right? Because there is there are no people. So it's going to create a lot of opportunity for this generation. Awesome. And you talked about a little bit about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Is this, is Canon and Wet doing anything in particular to you know reach out and widen the pool of, of folks that are entering your company? You know, we just like most most folks, we we took a look inside it ourselves and our numbers, and you know, quite honestly, we found we're not as bad as you know we thought we were. We're actually meeting or exceeding all of our state um, numbers, with the exception of female, and that's really an industry problem. Females are 50% of our society, but only represent 4% of construction. Right? We've got a lot of work to do. I think we're we're light years ahead of where we've been. Still, lots to do, but I, I think you you're starting to see the industry change with the new and different approaches to looking at things. Gotcha. Canon and Went, you've been a member of NECA for, for quite a few years, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll admit I did some homework and, and uh, slash Googled your name, and I discovered quite a list of jobs and responsibilities within NECA that, and, and your chapter, your local chapter, that you've had over the years. Can you discuss some of those roles, you know, beyond governor perhaps, because we, we covered that already, and, and, and discuss the value of, of memberships within the organization anyone who belongs to an organization if, if, if we're gonna sit back and all we're gonna do is is criticize right you need to be involved so from day one our we want to be involved if we're going to participate we're going to participate heavily because if you don't then you have no one to blame but yourself for not getting involved the more people we can get involved the better so we we try to get on every level whether it be labor relations whether it be community outreach um, I've I've served as governor, I've served as vice president, I've been chairman of the negotiating committee, I've been on the, the uh, national CIR board, and to me, quite honestly, that was probably the most rewarding position I've held in that labor relations is the heartbeat of our association and you were able to make a real difference via CIR. And to me, that was probably the most rewarding, other than obviously getting inducted into the academy, which is quite the honor. Maybe I'm only 54, so I I felt like maybe too soon, Or, but it's quite an honor to be associated with, with all those fine individuals. Oh, that's fantastic. Today, your vice president of technology was inducted into the inaugural class of the Innovation Institute Alumni Association uh, during the general session, yeah. right, and right, right before Emmett Smith came out um, and spoke to us. Can you tell us your experience with sponsoring your candidate in the Institute? What can I say about Joe Thunderstick Akins? Joe took over a division within our company, and we'll just be open and frank here. We, with our low-voltage division, we, we went through years of trials and tribulations finding the right individual to run that department. Three or four times we failed picking that person, and then the diamond in the rough, and Joe expressed interest, and holy cow, what a, what a great find. Um, so Joe came through the field. Uh, we, we, we saw when we got 
got the call from Tahira. What a great opportunity to get that leadership training that's so vital for, for any of us. And like we spoke earlier with, with manpower, people power being so in need of, the training's going to be right there in line, the need for that training. So it was awesome to get the call. Uh, I went to Joe. I said, hey, I signed you up for this thing. And he said, no. <laughs> but I think if you interviewed Joe now, he would tell you probably one of the, the neatest things that he's done. He met a group of folks that are going to be lifelong friends that they went through this this cohort with. And at the end of the day, he's come out a much more improved leader. So for us, it was a no-brainer. And yeah, we're very appreciative to be included. That, that's awesome. And you know, since he was in the inaugural class, there was a lot of unknowns. So, so thank you for taking the slap and, and you know, putting him in there right away. You know, my job now as, as president is to provide tools, material, information, training, right? My job is to ensure that folks that work for Canon reach the potentials that they can reach. If they can't, it's because I'm putting a roadblock in the way somewhere. So my job is to remove those roadblocks, let them excel in whatever they want to do for us, and then we all win as a company. Yeah. We, you know, we didn't we didn't talk about it much earlier in the in our chat today, but you talked about someone earlier in your life that, that reached out to you and, and impacted you and, you know, pulled you into the industry. Yeah. And, and it, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the value of mentoring uh, and, and mentorship and its importance? The industry dies without it. Uh, number one, you make the same mistakes if you don't know where you've been, right? So it's always good to, to take those new people to the industry, show them what we've done, right? You don't want to stifle them and say, this is how we do things. You show them the way we've done things, and that's where the ideas come from, is that they're, they're new to what we're doing. They might see a different avenue, different way to get it done. And quite frankly, that's what keeps us alive, right? And keeps us growing. But what advice would you, would you give to someone who doesn't have a mentor? Mentorship can be found anywhere. You can, you know, go to the internet, do podcasts, read a book, Google. Google someone in your industry. Send them an email. It, it's surprising how many folks out there really want to help, especially when you start talking about folks getting later in their career. It becomes more important to help those new folks coming into the industry because you want the industry to be better than you left it, right? Right. So a lot of... You'd be surprised that if you just, by reaching out to someone saying, hey, do you have a minute? Can I bend your ear? Most folks are going to be very receptive to that. It, it, it's a funny thing because, you know, we hear about folks that have reached out to a lot of people. But I think that a lot of people don't know that they could ask someone and, and get the help that they need or get a mentor. Yeah. Have you ever been asked to be a mentor? I don't know directly, yeah. um, but I think we've, we've all kind of assumed those roles. Right, yeah. you you uh, see people doing something one way. You step in and kind of offer uh, assistance, but uh, not as a direct, yeah, hey, you're my guy or whatever. But I think on a broader scale, I, I relish that job as president of Canada went to be a mentor for anyone I come in contact with. Awesome, and, and as the president, like you were saying, you know, that's a big responsibility, you know, to, to mentor your whole flock. As, Absolutely. As it were. Lucky for me, I've got fantastic 
fantastic people and, and the people make the company, they make my job so easy because they are just so good at what they do. Let's talk about the people a little bit. You know, how do you how do you get such good people to work for you? What's your process? We, you know, we're picky. We're very, very picky when we hire, whether that be inside or, or outside. And we'll run lean. So we'll, we'll run lean until we find that right person. Because when we hire someone, we don't ever want them to go anywhere else. We hire to retire. That's kind of our mentality. When we're hiring someone and bringing someone in, we're not just bringing an employee. We're bringing an employee owner, right? They're going to be a vital part of who we are and what we do every day. So that's, we're selective. And by being selective, I think it gets us the right candidates when we do fill the positions. Gotcha. So one of the universal truths it seems right now in the electrical industry is that contractors have been struggling to add new talent and, and, and let alone replace the talent that's retiring. How do you make your company a destination for folks to come and apply? Provide. It's, it's like, to me, it doesn't matter whether it's the office or the field. Anybody good at what they do wants to work and wants to be productive. They want tools, material, and information. Right place, right time, right? That's our job. And in most cases, if you can provide tools, material, information, and set goals and parameters, people are happy to show up and go to work, right? You want to create an environment where everyone feels like they have a say with the ESOP. It allows us to do that. We have Most of our committees are made from employees, not management, uh, whether it be insurance or charity or any of that. That's all employee-run committees that will bring suggestions to management. So let them, not let them, they do have a voice. They work for you every day. Even if you don't think they have a voice, it's loud, right? So take care of them, let them do their work. And we've had great success. Gotcha. And so do you do any outreach, like uh, at any universities or community colleges or anything like that? To- Absolutely. We support both, you know, in Arizona, uh, Northern Arizona University has a school of construction. ASU, Arizona State University has Delhi Webb School of Construction. We're very active, both monetarily, along with the employment shows and through internships. So oh. we offer internships to either of those locations, whoever wants to come work for us, uh, and it's been very, very successful. Excellent. So can you tell the, the audience a little bit about how do you get an intern? Because that's been a big theme as we hear a lot about, you know, the, we, we had the student chapter summit yesterday, and you know, I was talking to some of the professors, and out of 40 students, 38 of them went to general contractors, and, and they were saying, you know, you guys don't do that many internships, right. and, and the generals are getting them before you guys and and so you know hearing that you're doing you know you're getting internships um that's great to hear how do you what's the process for us it's going to be and especially in today's world we're always looking for attitude and effort right so we may not be able to get the kid from delhi web school of construction right but there are kids and we've got folks in now that are you know coming from grand canyon university with project management degrees or got a kid working for me who came from the the business school at ASU, never even thought about construction, but through a friend of a friend, you know, it's like, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, he's, he's, and he'll end up being a rock star for us. So 
attitude and effort, right? Look outside of the box, because you'll find most people when you say construction, they start to cringe right away, right? We need to be better at showing what our industry really is, right? What it can be, what roads come out of an apprenticeship or a, a four-year construction management degree, how diverse that can look and be. You can be a business owner, you can be a, a business manager, right? You can work for Wesco or any of the folks in here. So we need to be better at selling our industry as something other than construction. I, I totally agree with that. And that was, you know, at the student summit yesterday, we had a panel, five, uh, you know, members of NECA, and they all had different jobs, and they all came from diverse backgrounds. We had uh, Todd Grossweiler from Allison. Uh, I can't remember. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and sorry, sorry, Todd, if you're listening in. He's going to show you. His oh, badge. here we go. Allison Smith. Yes, from Allison Smith. Good thing we have windows here, but. But he started out as an intern uh, with an electrical engineering degree, and he got an internship, and he likes to joke that he's still doing his internship to this day. Absolutely. So, you know, there is huge power in that. And I also like that, you know, you're, you're reaching out to people that aren't just in the construction management programs. How are you reaching out? To, how are you reaching them? Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Just keep your eyes and ears open. I mean, we've all got, we've all got friends with kids, and, you know, when, when you're a 25 to 20-something-year-old kid, they used to always say back when, you know, my frontal lobe isn't even fully developed yet, right? So how the heck do I know what I want to be? Right. So you're in communication, you see, and I mean, you just have to go to those places you wouldn't normally go. It's not as easy as going to Monster or Indeed or you have to look outside that box. Absolutely. And do you participate in career fairs? We do. We do for, like I said, for ASU and Northern Arizona University uh, when we can get involved through the Training Alliance and you know, some military functions will go out and do those as well. But yes, any anytime we can show ourselves off, we'd love to do that. That's fantastic. I, I often say, you know, I was a mechanical engineer. That was my major. And if I would have been approached at, at a career fair, which I attended, and somebody told me all of the different possibilities and where I could end up, and there's a job for everyone, and, you know, the, the ceiling's way up here. And, Absolutely. And, and you can climb it as fast as you can go. I'd probably be working for an electrical contract. You may own an electrical contract. Well, that's very kind. <laughs> but but ju just the, the opportunities are, are so rich. And, and sometimes we have to practice our own pitches to, to tell the story, to Absolutely. give the proper narrative Absolutely. to these individuals. And we don't get that opportunity unless we put our faces into, you know, if we get out there and start talking to some people. Well, one of the, the neat things, and, you know, it just brought it to mind, you know, three weeks ago I was invited to teach at, ASU for a construction marketing class, so for marketing for subcontractors. So I was a professor for a day. Yeah. But I got to be up in front of 50 construction management students, tell the Canon and Went story, tell the NECA story, and affect them face-to-face. -face. So so now it's not just something they're reading on Facebook or whatever. So we're getting out there and we're trying to be in front of folks steal them away from the general contractors <laughs> if we can. Well, they've been very effective, and their playbook is is right to get there early, right? And, and get them in internships and, and show them the ropes, and you know, this professor told me, he said, you know, if they're, if the GC treats them right, I encourage my students to be loyal. Don't just go run at the next buck that comes around. 
be loyal and work there for a while before you, you know, before you move on. So they stay with those contractors, and it's important to be working with the faculty members as well. If you Absolutely. if you can get in contact with the faculty members, folks, the the faculty members, you know, they have GCs that they can be. They're very influential with their students. Right. And, and this, you know, the one that was here yesterday, he said, I put people under my wings, and he's he's very much a mentor to them. Um, and he said, you know, uh, only two I've sent to an electrical this year. And he said, I've I come to your show, I know about this program, and it's the best one. Absolutely. And 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 I'm only doing two. You guys got to do better. So we're going to be working on that, and and it's good to hear too, because otherwise we don't know if we know don't know whether there's a fire unless we smell smoke, right? Exa- exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, tell our audience about something that you've recently done that was a, a game-changing innovation at your company. And it can be, you know, in the re- recent past. Well, I think right now, if, if you're not experiencing some kind of change, you're not paying attention because their software is coming at us 100 miles an hour. It doesn't matter which part of the industry you're in, whether that be prefabrication, estimation, or, or design, right? So for us, one of the, you know, and they're here, remarkable uh, material management program is a game changer for us. It uh, it allows our field guys to, to quickly get what they need and then get back to work. They're not doing a lot of searching, dragging around. It's really intuitive and it's, for us, it's been a game changer. Gotcha. And it's been recently adapted and uh, we're, we're starting to get some leg with it, so. Perfect. Yeah. What are you most excited about looking into the future of the industry? The youth and the numbers. I, I, I get excited at the diversity that I see. I get excited about seeing young people excited about our industry, right? Because that was us one day, and you know, uh, I want to do whatever I can to help make their experiences what mine has been, right? With whether it be, you know, like I said before, Jerry Taylor in Salt Lake or Al Went at Canon Went. Those are two gentlemen that were very instrumental in me being who I am today in this industry, right? So it's our job to be that to somebody else or everybody else. So that's what I look forward to is watching our folks become who they're going to be within our industry um, and watching their families grow and being being a part of our community too. So awesome, yeah. appreciate that. One of the things about innovation is oftentimes it's um, well, it can be expensive first of all, and it's also oftentimes experimental. So could you tell us about you know? And here's one of the other things about it. A lot of folks, well, I think that's true when they say if you aren't failing, you're not trying hard enough. I, I believe that 100. Uh, if you're not falling down and skinning your knees, you're you're not running fast enough, right? So you gotta give you gotta give enough leeway to make those mistakes. Obviously, you know, especially with an ESOP, when it comes to following the numbers, we've we've got to protect the retirements of all of our employees. So there is a give and take as far as the financial, but as far as innovation, uh, it, show us how it makes us better, right? Then we're gonna do it. Right? That's who we are. That if we aren't, if we get settled, we we die. So we always have to be looking 
looking forward, whether that be in software, whether that be in tools, materials, whatever it be, training. If we're not looking forward, we're, we're wilting away. Ten four. And I know this is this is something time. Sometimes we don't want to talk about. Is there an experience or an example you could share where you tried a new, something new and it didn't really work out or pan out the way that you know you had hoped for? You know, nothing comes straight to mind, but any any time. <laughs> When software is coming at you 100 miles an hour, you're going to make a bad call somewhere, right? You're right. going to get roped into something that you got sold that isn't going to work the way it, you wanted it to. Um, really, that's about it. You know, we never want to make it to where it's going to be a drastic fall to the bottom, so we have safety nets in place. Sure. Um, we're not going to go try to cut down a tree in one fell swoop. We'll take some small swings at it, make sure that everything's stable, right? So, yeah, we're, we won't do anything anything earth-changing that, that could change who we are right. uh, if it failed. But like you said, if you're not failing, you're not trying. Yeah. And if you're not trying, you're not growing. So. Well, I like what you said is you're not going to try to chop the tree down all at one time. You'll take some some different hacks at it and try it from different, some different angles. Yep. Um, pilot programs. Yep, yep. Give, giving a champion, you know, and having them test some stuff out on the job. And, Absolutely. You know, running some trials. Right. You know, those, those are all ways that you can be hacking away at it without, yeah. Be there for the vendors, right? Most of these vendors in here will reach out to contractors. Hey, we've got this new thing we want to try out. Are you willing to... So by helping them, we help the industry, right? So yes, we we like to to help as much as we can on the leading edge. Nobody likes to be the test dummy, so to speak. The the closer that leading edge we can get, the better off we are. Absolutely. You know, and that's a great... A great point too is show folks walk the floor there's so many companies here there's a, a, a sea of software companies yes and oftentimes you, you you know until you actually try and demo the software you're not going to really find out if it's good for you if it works for you and these companies understand that and they'll yep. let you demo it and that's a lot of times that's free except you know your time it's the fastest growing part of our industry the electrification of, of all of our data all of our our estimating all of our prefab fabrication is all starting to come together, right? Mechanicals had it for years. Right. It's been a little harder for the electrical industry to, to run that fast, uh, but we're getting there closer every day, so pretty proud of the folks that are out there trying to push those boundaries. Awesome. Well, believe it or not, we're actually at time already. Holy so, cow. Yeah, it goes fast. So I, I want to thank you, Shane. It's been such a pleasure to have you in the booth today, and thank you to all of our listeners out there. Please feel free to reach out to us at innovation at nikonet.org. We welcome your views on innovation and the opportunities ahead on electrical construction. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you.